Welcome to another episode of the Week Pastor Podcast, where we view Christianity through the lens of vulnerability. Welcome to the Week Pastors Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us on this brand new episode. Sua, how you doing? I am good. We're in official, real double digits now, mid-double digits. Mid-double digits in terms mm-hmm. of episode, huh? Yeah. That's what I'm talking Very about. Very exciting That's stuff. What and Sua, you have been a great executive producer, a web hoster. <laughs> uh, you do everything. You're the whole, you're the whole <laughs> shebang. So, Where you, would you, you be are, without me? Seriously. Without me? Uh, well, listen, I, I tell you what, this podcast would not be what it is today if you were not here. So we have a good, <laughs> we have good camaraderie and chemistry, and that's why... It leads me into this very personal question that I want to okay, ask you. Okay, let's go. Okay, so um, share with us the time. Like, uh, you, you did tell me that you measure your body fat once in a while, right? Like your body fat. I haven't done it in a long time, but in yeah. a long time. Okay, so share with us your highest percentage of body fat you've ever had in your life. Okay, see, I don't know if I can answer that question, but Come I can on, tell you a story. Really? No, because I I only started measuring it when I got serious about working out. Oh, right, so, so I wasn't share, share like when well, you started then. So yeah, the first time I ever even understood the concept of measuring your body fat was yeah. in college when I started dating John. This is a very controversial story, by the way. Okay. Um, some people know about this reference, but when I started dating John, John okay. put me on a program. Um, I didn't why? realize wait, that he had put me wait, on the program back then. Why did put you on a program? He thought well, you needed to lose weight? He insists that he just wanted to do a hobby that he enjoyed with his girlfriend. But when I told this to my girlfriends, they were like, uh, <laughs> girl, he put you on a program. So um, oh, the truth kind of program remains, job put you on? So he bought me a book called The Body Sculpting Bible for Women. Whoa. Yeah, okay. I still have this book. I will. I recently sent a picture to Doug Cho. Because he used to make fun of me about this book all the time. And I was like, it's a real book. And I, when I moved recently, I found the book. So I sent him a picture. I was like, here it is. Um, but wow. it's called The Body Sculpting Bible for Women. He okay. made me a little notebook with like a pen attached with a little like rubber band so that I could track like all of my weights. Oh my um, and so when I told this to my friends, because I was like, isn't that so nice? They were like, Sua, <laughs> he put you on a freaking program. That's not he, nice. He used uh, the Jedi mind trick on you. But I did it. And that that's when I first started regularly working out. I mean, I did okay. Kondo before, but yeah. I've, I never like set foot on a gym, right? Okay. But since John bought me that body sculpting Bible for women, yeah. and then he also bought me a scale. <laughs> sounds worse and worse as I'm saying it. <laughs> How did you he marry that? He bought me a scale. Holy he smokes. bought me a scale, but he said it was like a really fancy scale that like sh- measures your body fat by shooting some electric up your... Oh, uh, um, I don't know how accurate that what? is. What? So that's the only experience I have with measuring my body fat. Okay, well, I had my good buddy Taylor from Maven measure my body fat. And so it's 100% accurate, like 100% accurate. Okay, well, for those of... For those people who don't know what Maven is, maybe you should tell them. Let me let me let me give a shameless plug for my good friend Taylor. He has uh he <laughs> this has is not cross sponsored. functional this Yeah, is not he's sponsored. got a cross functional gym in Paramus and in Palisades Park. I've been working out there now for the past like ten years now. Um yeah, so there was a point in my life where I just I, I just I as a pastor I didn't I didn't really believe working out was spiritual. And I just thought pastors who like to work out a lot, just, they're just really insecure kind of a thing. But I finally... It's hard to use Stephen Furtick. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. He's so fit. He looks like Yo, he does like 20 You know who's more fit than Steve is Craig Rochelle, man. Craig Rochelle is yeah. jacked. Look, he's yeah. doing steroids. Anyway, yeah, that's true. Uh, okay, don't so, say that. Oh, sorry. No, he's not. He's not. He's, not. he's doing <laughs> Holy Spirit steroids. All right. So anyway, um, but I came, I came back from Korea years ago. And it took me about thirty days to get over jet lag. I mean, I was just, and I was like, "This is, this is, this is not healthy." Wait, thirty days. Thirty days. It took me a month. I How mean, is it that was possible? horrible. It's just when you're unhealthy, physically unhealthy, you just you can't. And then, um, and then my my one of my best friends, he said to me that he has he just he just has high high hypertension. He's got high cholesterol. Oh no, he's got diabetes. Diabetes, and uh, and that really shook him. And it shook me too because I'm realizing I don't have any filters when it comes to what I eat. Mm. And I think what's to say that I'm not going to have diabetes one day. And so then I went to my good friend Taylor, who's one of my best friends. And I said, "Hey man, I need you to help me 
to get in shape. And he looked at, he laughed. He goes, Peter, you're not going to do it. I was like, no, 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 I'll do it. God told me I need to do it. I was like, you need to help me because I know you're the only one who can help me. And he goes, Peter, you're not going to do it. I know how much you love eating. I know how much you love oh, sugar, God. all that stuff. You're not going to do it. And I was like, I will promise you I'll do it. He said, if you're going to do this, it's got to be my way and it's for six months. I'm going to tell That's you what you can time. eat, what you can't eat. Six I'm gonna, months? Everything, six months. And I was like, done. I did it. All right. So wait, he is measured. this when you did it with Koo? Yes, this is when I did That's it with Koo. Right. So he measured my body fat That's at right. that time. All right, and I'm gonna tell it to you. And he has pictures too. God, Taylor, you better never publish those pictures. All right, Taylor, you can send. He's it to got me. pictures of me, like you know, topless, because he likes to take those topless oh, pictures. Oh yeah, that, we can't we can't post that. Sorry. No, you can't post it. It's 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 disgusting. So he, he took he took <laughs> my body fat at the time when when I was, and he said you're morbidly. He said, Peter, you are morbid, morbidly obese. <laughs> not morbidly obese. No, 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 no. According to the body fat percentage, I was morbidly obese. I was. Well, how I much was did you weigh? 235 pounds. Okay. And 6'4". 6'4". So it's not, for my height, it's not that bad. But if I was all muscle, that would be nice, right? Uh, but huh. I wasn't. I was, I was majority fat. I was 33, 34% body fat. So is this like not when they do, um, like, you know when you're in school, in high school, during your fitness days, and they take that weird like pinching thing? No, they, that's like, what, exactly what he does. Body? He takes all the pinching stuff. He's, he's pinching every but, part like, of my all body. Over. <laughs> yeah. and Because that he, one, they he, only did the arm. Yeah. So And then he calculated everything, and he, he has it down to the science. He knows how to do this. I no was like way. 34% body fat. Yeah, no, I'm not. I, Are I mean, you sure listen, he wasn't trying to scare you? By like no, I was seriously 34% body fat. I guess I have to go I back like and look at what you look like because I don't remember what you look like. Oh, back then. listen. It's been so listen, long. So, uh, I'm, all right, here's it. I'm going to send you these pictures, man. <laughs> when I was married with Jenny and we spent like in Fuller, I'll send you my Fuller picture. I was so fat. I was you I was so say overweight. That. That's not oh, nice. sorry. I was so overweight. I was so I overweight. Okay. No, apparently you were not uh, overweight. You were morbidly obese. I was morbidly <laughs> obese, and so <laughs> I did the whole six months with him, and then I uh, and then it really sort of calc like reset me, and you know I haven't I haven't I've never been that healthy again. But uh, but I've lived a healthier lifestyle. I work out like three to five times a week, and I try to eat the best I can when I can. Weekends I cheat a lot. But, uh, but that's just kind of my life, you know, kind of how it is. So I was 35, like 34% body fat, about 235. I mean, I think I've always been in the 20, like the low 20s. But hovering. I think for women, you have to be in that range though. Otherwise, it's unhealthy. Well, I will say um, I have... I am a creature of habit. This is because I'm an, I think it's maybe because I'm a type one Enneagram. I'm, a, I'm like, I love routine and I'm very okay. disciplined about things. So if I say I'm going to do it, like I won't ever not. So okay. basically since I had Lila and Audrey and then I started exercising again, unless I was on vacation, I've basically never not done three workouts a week. Wow. So because because I get very uncomfortable. Like so for example, like today, usually I work out on Mondays, but I knew yeah. I was doing this podcast, so I worked out yesterday. Okay. Like I don't like missing things that I'm supposed to All do. Right. But you're, it's not, yeah, but you're very scheduled. I'm very, like very yeah, disciplined. Yeah. Um, but I wasn't scheduled about my eating. Like I was not disciplined about my eating. So I used to and I eat whatever. Like I used to eat so much bad stuff. I love sugar. Yeah. Like I just love cake and ice cream and French oh. fries are my weakness. Oh my Preach goodness. To the choir. Bread. Like yes. I mean, one of the saddest things about moving to Ohio is that there's no Paris spaghetti or like <laughs> Tureju. Oh, which is coming apparently. But I used to just love eating hunks of gluten. You know, oh, gluten yeah. is my favorite food group. However, recently I went to get a physical, like last year I went to get a physical. Okay. And um I'm not sure if these results are accurate because right before I went, I ate a bunch of chicken wings and pizza with John and yeah. then they drew my blood and like yeah. my triglycerides were like so high. Basically, I should be dead. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm basically, a, I don't know, but my cholesterol is always high. But what was scary though- Are you taking was, medicine for your cholesterol? No. Okay, okay. My, actually, my good cholesterol alone is over 100. Okay. It's a little creepy. But okay. Here's my problem. My dad is type two diabetic, and my mm. grandma was type two diabetic. My oh. uncle is type two diabetic, no bueno. so it no runs bueno. in the blood. And diabetes okay. is one of those things that is so genetic. Like yes. it's just like you're probably gonna get it. And so 
so I've always you... known that. Yeah. I recently got a physical and John thinks this is ridiculous, but I think it's called the A1C, which is like the number that you look at the diabetes. I told John, I was like, John, I'm in trouble. And he's like, why? I was like, I think I'm pre-pre-diabetic. And he goes, you're pre-pre-diabetic? <laughs> and I was like, yes. He goes, what the hell is pre-pre-diabetic? I'm like, I'm not pre-diabetic, but I'm getting to becoming pre-diabetic. And he goes, so you're normal. <laughs> but no, but it was the higher range. And you know, he's of, a doctor. He's a doctor. Yeah, so that's why he can say doctor, stuff like this. So he doesn't yeah. know. It it was he's a doctor. He went to medical school. Mm. Give me a break. He, yeah. Do you remember at Metro, they, they once asked us to compile a list of medical professionals? Yeah. He said he can't put his name there because he's a liability. Because unless someone broke a bone, he can't help. No, <laughs> I disagree with that. that. I disagree but anyway, with that. my A1C was right at the border of being pre-diabetic. Wait, so I feel like I'm pre-pre-diabetic. So haven't you like really cut back on your sugar and carbs and all that stuff? You so have, right? I freaked right? out. I freaked okay. out because okay. I was like... I always said, well, my dad is diabetic because, like, he's overweight. Like, I'm not yeah, overweight, yeah, yeah. you know? Um, so I thought I was safe. But then when my numbers started creeping up towards the pre-pre-diabetic, yeah. yeah, I got yeah, a little yeah. bit freaked out. And so I actually, for six months, like, cut out a lot of, um, like, like, refined sugars. I cut out a lot of, like, I only eat complex carbohydrates. Yeah. And then I lost, like, a bunch of weight. How much weight did you lose? I lost like 13 pounds. What? Yeah, and I'm only 5'3". I'm only 5'3". But you know what's the sad part? I lost 13 pounds, but nobody noticed. <laughs> I <look> exactly <laughs> the same. Like, you would think that a short person losing 13 pounds you would make you look dramatically different. Like, yeah, my 13 I think so. pounds is like the equivalent of like your 50 pounds. But like <laughs> nothing. Literally, not a single person noticed. Not even like my, my family. Nobody. <laughs> Nobody. It's your so husband sad. Noticed. Your husband no, he didn't. He didn't. Oh, my gosh. Oh, it's my so gosh. Sad. Okay. It's so sad. All right. So you said your, your body fat, the last time you counted, like, was, like, in the 20s. That's actually really healthy. For women, I think you know, if it's in the low 20s, that's, that's actually, I, don't, I don't think it should go any lower than that. That's actually really healthy. I don't feel, I feel like, and I don't, I know this is not a body yeah. image slash fitness episode, but I definitely think that exercising is very healthy very, i mean okay yes. that's not stupid obviously exercising is healthy but mentally it's healthy for me if i don't exercise i don't yeah. feel good about life um, yeah and it's not good. even about weight loss because to be honest it's all about eating if you want to lose yeah. weight it's all about eating but it's yes. more for like my own person making space for myself to exercise every other day i feel like gives puts me in a good mental yeah space. same same although as i'm getting older uh, I don't know if I can do those Maven type workouts as much anymore because my body just doesn't. Are your doesn't, knees going because you're so tall? My knees and, you know, I hurt my shoulder a year ago. I still haven't been able to do a push-up, like a real push-up um, in, in, in almost a year Apparently, now. that is the big, I read something in the New York Times and it said that the number of push-ups you can do is the true test of how fit you are. Man, push-ups was my thing. I mean, I, I could kill i could just kill anyone except really? for in push up you were good at push ups yeah. oh i was amazing at push ups really yeah that was like my exercise i I'm think so at pull ups but push ups no problem no problem i think we do like these 1 minute how many you can do 1 minute i think the most how many did you get uh what was oh no 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 i'm sorry it wasn't 1 minute it was 90 seconds how many push ups you can do yeah, in 90 seconds yeah how many seconds? did you get 80 80 or 85 really like real push-ups, not like real push-ups. Stupid push-ups. No, real push-ups. I'm so impressed. Back in the day, back in the day, and that's why it's been depressing wow. for me because for the past year I've not been able to 80, do a push-up. Ninety seconds is amazing. Yeah, you just wow. fly through it. Well, this was during the pan uh, pandemic, and Christian and I, my son and I, we would do push-ups every day, and we would do a hundred every day together. That's amazing. So when you do a hundred every day together, you can just do like eighty without stopping. You know, and this then like, like your take thing. a little when break. When you're like hundred on your deathbed, you're gonna be like, well, I was I used forty-five. To do Push-ups. I, I, I do 80 push-ups in 90 seconds. Yeah, I'll tell that to all my grandkids. 80 push-ups in 90 seconds. You try to beat me, you know, kind of a thing. Yeah. And Christian's That's the opposite. Awesome. Like Christian, he's he can do he does crazy pull-ups. He does like, you know, he he does 50 pull-ups without stopping. So what? he's crazy. Yeah, it's un, it's insane. It's insane how, how, how many pull-ups This can is do. like freaks of nature stuff. Well, 50 pull-ups? He 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 does pull-ups every he does 25 every day, and then once a week he'll do 50 to maintain. 
So oh like that gosh. was like the great Romolo who passed away um, a couple months ago told him like the elite athletes can do 50 pull-ups. So you got to get there. So he's like, yeah. And he, he forced him to do that during the pandemic and he, he could never do 50. And then he finally got to it. And now he can do 50. So without that stopping. Is amazing. Good job, Christian. Yeah. Good job, puppy. All right. Anyway, we got to get to our podcast. We got to get the podcast. So Dang. we're going to do part two today. Part I have a sudden two. urge to go do push-ups. Go, I, go. I can do like one. Well, you know what's so hilarious? You know, I, I don't know if you know that I took a couple photos right now of you because it's so hilarious because you don't have your mic stand and you're oh holding it right now. And it's so funny. And I just like, you know what? You might have to post this on, when we I, put this up on Instagram. I don't have a mic stand because we, we moved and got a new desk <laughs> and my mic stand doesn't fit on the desk anymore. So I'm literally holding this, my microphone that's not supposed to be huge podcast yeah. microphone. So, so I'm going to send this picture to you because I think you should put it up. It, I think it's hilarious. Wonderful. It's hilarious. Well, only if we first post a picture of you in Fuller. Uh, oh yes, I will find you that picture and I will send it. And uh, it is a scary. Just be prepared. All right, I have I have glasses on, and they don't fit my face. All right, they don't fit my face. That's all you need to know. Your jawline was definitely not showing. I I had no jawline, oh no jawline back then. Okay, so anyway, yeah, because I'm a face gainer. Like when I gain weight, it always me you too. Can see you can just see through the face. Yeah, me it's, too. Yeah, I'm a face gainer. And then I really wife, don't get a jawline. Jenny, she never gains it. She can gain like 15, 20 pounds. She wouldn't really gain it on her face. That's so she's not a face amazing. gainer. Amazing! It's so yeah. not fair. It's so not fair. It it's goes so straight not fair. to my like, face too. My brother-in-law Wesley. Wesley can gain a ton of weight. He doesn't gain any on he his face. He has pretty sharp facial features. Yeah, he doesn't yeah. gain anything on his face. I don't like that. It's not nice. Anyway, also <laughs> uh, today, <laughs> today we're gonna talk about um, how do you know? How do you know? Part two. Part two. How do you know when it's time to have children? All right. So before we start this podcast, we just need to preface this. All right. Yes. We are not talking about married couples um, who are not certain if they want to have kids or not. That's not what we're talking about. That's a po- another podcast in and of itself. We are not talking about couples who have tried and they're not able to conceive of a child. Yes. That is heartbreaking. Uh, we can never really talk about that because we don't have experience on that. Right. We are actually talking to married couples who want to have kids, but they don't know when they should have kids. Yes. That's that's the the meaning of this podcast and what we want to talk about and just kind of share in our own life experiences. Right, Sua? That's exactly right. Exactly. We had, that's, we had that's to preface that. All, that's about all we have experience and what we can speak upon. And so, yeah. So how did you know... Um, about when you thought it was the right time to have Lila, like, right? When was the time? How did you know when it was the right time? It's very different from mine, I believe. Well, it, it is. Yeah, we're getting there. It's very different for me because we were working with um, John's work schedule, his residency schedule. Yeah. And so we knew we did not want to have kids when he was in medical school because um, it was very unpredictable. And um, we were a single income family and we felt like living in, northern new jersey we should at least make more than a person makes working at metro <laughs> as a peon in metro not the senior pastor but you know just like one of the ancillary oh, services man. at oh, metro man. well so, this is a real concern because people always say like i don't know if we have the finances to have a child yeah. and so that was actually your 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 Do dilemma you know how much daycare cost in when we, when i okay well this is going fast forwarding a little bit but when i had lila and she went to daycare um she could only go to part-time daycare because I couldn't afford to send her to full-time daycare. Mm-hmm. And so she would go to half-day daycare three days yeah. a week. And then I would ask my in-laws to watch her during the other times. Um, and then, or I would stay home and I would be working flexible hours. So like yeah. I would pick her up and then I would go to work after that. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. it was like a really straight, because it was a financial thing. Like I literally couldn't make ends yeah. meet if I sent her to a full-time daycare. Yeah. Um, Granted, yes, I chose to work at Metro and it was like a great experience, but that's the reality. But we pay right? less than social workers. <laughs> you paid less than social work did. <laughs> this was accurate. But um, here's the ironic part though. John and I had exactly a schedule of how we wanted to have kids. Mm. We always knew we wanted to have kids, always. John wanted to have five kids. He quickly changed five. his mind after first. Wow. Um, well, he, 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 he had to compromise. He, well, he was the one who was like, I think we're done. But <laughs> <laughs> it always sounds like it's, not a bad theory, thing. That's you have nice, one. Right? Yeah. yeah, in reality, it's very different. Yeah. So we chose to have um, Lila right before John became a resident. Um, mm. So between medical school, graduation, and residency. Yeah. So that was good because we planned it. 
we were very privileged to have it happen on our timeline because I know mm -hmm. that's also kind of a crapshoot. So we were very thankful for that. However, here's the lesson. Nothing yeah, right. can be planned because when exactly. I was pregnant with Lila, John broke his spine. <laughs> oh gosh. And then after I had Lila, John had his second. So John had his first back surgery when I was seven months pregnant. Then John had his second back surgery when Lila was four weeks yeah. old. And he was in severe pain for he years. Wasn't, Severe. severe pain but like chronic and i think yes. that was the part yes. that really got yes. to him was that yes. it was yes. unrelenting right right so it right. just there was never any break from it like it was right. just constantly hurting yeah you know yep. and um yeah it was i think and i talked about this in the marriage episode but just chronic pain really messes your mental health yeah and so i don't really think even though we had planned it in a way where, oh yeah, it'll be great. Like you'll be done with medical school. You'll be making money. Um, you'll have a flexible schedule. Like I'll have a flexible schedule, whatever. At the end of the day, there was no way to really control for all of these other yeah. things that happened. And so ironically, there was, it wasn't ideal, even though yeah. it, we thought so it would how be old, ideal. How old were you when you got married? I was 24. Okay. And when did you start? When did you have, when did you so have I got kid? pregnant three years later. And then by the time I had okay. Lila, it was about four years of yep, being married. Yep. But I had also dated John for four years before. So yep, we were yep. very familiar with each other's yes. patterns. Um, and I think that's the only reason why that time went as it did. I mean, it was not a good time, but I think we survived. And I think yeah. the only reason why we did was because we had a foundation of yes. eight years yeah of knowing each other and that's you know, right um, and that's and that i think that's incredibly helpful um what i like to tell a lot of couples is i always tell them when you get married don't have a kid right away i think mm -hmm. it's really important that you know each other particularly if you didn't have a long dating life I think it's really important that you spend some time getting to know each other and start to build the pillars or the foundations of your relationship as a husband and a wife. Um, you know, I, I have a family member who even had a, a honeymoon baby, you know, and stuff. And sometimes people get pregnant on honeymoon. You know, mm -hmm. that's fine. That happens, you know, and stuff like that. But I, I often I often worry a little bit because, you know, when you get married right away and you have a kid right away, you don't have really time to, to work on yourself. And what happens many times is that, you're just so focused on raising a kid that you're not even focusing on your marriage at that point anymore. And and sometimes what happens is that, you know, once the kid grows up and graduates and leaves the house, you see your spouse and you're like, oh, shoot, like, I don't really know you. Yeah. Like, we never really yeah. had time to really spend with each other. So I always like to tell couples, like, you should wait minimum like a year, uh, maybe longer if you can. And uh, I'm glad you waited for, um, you know, for me, I, have a, I had a little different story than you did, Sue, because <laughs> mine was not what happened. At all. Mine was a oops, you got pregnant kind of a thing because uh, I got married at 25 and uh, we uh, definitely, we, we moved out to California, went to Fuller and uh, we got to California in, in August, end of August of, of uh, 2000. And then uh, we celebrated one year in September and then uh, Jenny got pregnant with Christina in December. And it was oh not planned. Our, our, our original plan was we would try the last year of seminary, not right, my first right. year of seminary. Yeah. And simply that was because we were planning to move back to New Jersey and then we had family to kind of take care of the, you know, to help us raise Christina. We didn't know anyone in SoCal. So we were just like, we can't have a kid out here. And so, you know, but it just happened. She got, we got pregnant and I was shocked. Jenny was shocked. But, you know, looking at it now, it was like the greatest. It could have been like I would never want to do it any other way, you know. And I, what and, was and I, what was your reaction yeah. like exactly in the moment though? Like, how did it happen? Like Jenny right, was like, so, "Peter, look what you did to me!" Exactly. Yeah. What happened? How did I get pregnant? I was like, "Holy <laughs> smokes!" I was actually, you know, there was a part of me I was so happy. I was like, "Really, you're pregnant?" Oh, you were oh, happy. God. Oh yeah, yeah. I was happy. Uh, you know, I think Jenny because she, you know, she was happy, but she was just like, "Holy cow, like, what are we gonna do now?" Because yeah. I have to work, and like, you know, how are we gonna figure yeah. all this stuff out? Because we sort of had a plan, and you know, I'm more of like, "Let's just see what happens. God'll care for us. Don't yeah. worry." And she was like, "But you know, I have to work. I cannot not work. Yeah. I can't just yeah. be here, you know, and stuff." And so, any event, yeah. So you know, that kind of happened. But at the end, like you know, we embraced it, and like when I think about like where we could have, what we could have done what our original plan was till now i'm just so grateful i'm so grateful that it happened the way it did and you know christina was a hard baby she was really difficult mm. um in every way because she has separation anxiety because she was at daycare at three months 
right, yeah. of age. <clears throat> and whenever a child is that young and they're separated from their mother, it's so difficult. And so she never, like, I kept, whenever I would try to hold her, she would cry all the time. <laughs> and um, and she so, like, I took it. Her mom. Oh, yeah, I took it so personally. My wife had to go to the bathroom with Christina on her lap. She I had to, like, it's a real um, person. Yeah. Like, because, you know, the same thing happened with John and me. And I always thought, like, mm. well, they're just babies. But I actually did hear from a lot of dads that it feels it's, it feels like a personal rejection, especially oh if you're somebody gosh. who has some emotional issues, like unhealth uh, yeah. issues from the past. It really feels like a rejection when you're I your thought baby it was a generational you. sin for my father. I was oh like, what? is this is this because oh like my dad was all messed up? So like oh now God. you're like taking it out on me, yeah, kind I of a thing. Like really real, I had like yeah. no idea, but like you know, I took it personally because I'm her father, and she like every time I held her, she cried. And so and then I felt bad for Jenny because she had to hold her like yeah. all the time, and yeah. I couldn't help out with that, and that like broke. She my was probably heart jealous of you. Oh, <laughs> yeah and i was jealous of her it was like a vice versa thing it's, but yeah all i would say is like you know i'm just so grateful that she got to experience life in southern california and like because none of our friends in seminary and even at church had kids i mean most of them were all single like christina was like a darling in our campus yeah, like everyone wanted to hang out with her everyone celebrity wanted to see baby. like a, at church yeah they all wanted to like see her and you know we go out to eat she was always with us and and they just loved being around Aww. her. She had so many aunties and uncles and stuff like that. And so people just absolutely, absolutely loved, really loved her. And uh, so, you know, I just, I, I just, even though it was, it was unplanned and we were like, how are we going to do this? We're just so grateful that, you know, that this was unplanned. And for uh, Kayla and for Christian, you know, they were more planned. You know, they were more planned and, and stuff. But, you know, I, I think when I look at all three, I mean, they're, they're all, it was great. But there was something special about the unplanned child that was such a was such a blessing to us, and because uh, we just had to kind of figure the stuff out as it was going, and then we had like our church community that was incredibly supportive, mm -hmm. you know, and they helped out and and uh, and just uh, loved on us during that time too. So it was really cool. It was really I'm cool. I'm thinking so. like because you know I'm I'm listening to you speak, and obviously you were not working because you were no. in full time seminary. Yep. Jenny was working. Yes. Um, but you had no family to help you, so you're obviously no family. paying for daycare. And we had, we had very little money. We had very little money. So, uh, and and I'm not I don't I'm not ashamed to share this, but you know my I think my wife's first year salary with overtime included, she was making like twenty two, twenty three thousand dollars a Wolf. year in so Southern California. How does California. that work? I, I just I genuinely just don't understand how that works. You know, I, I really wish I could explain it to you, but we don't know because <laughs> like, we didn't, like we the didn't miracle. figure this stuff out. And, and you know, of... and then Christina went to full time daycare. That's you know? what I'm but, saying. How does that even? So daycare was so cheap. It was so, it was, I think it was a, man, I forget. I think it was like $130 a week. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's it's cheap. So much more now. God provides. It's God so provides. much more now. This this was a and and there were this Mexican family. And so Christina's first language was actually Spanish. Oh, really? She she come home saying stuff and we're like, what's leche? She's like, leche, leche. I'm like, I don't even know. So I I'd be like, Hector, what's leche? He's like, that's milk. I'm like, oh, okay. So, so like, you because know, he said, he goes, do you want us to speak to her in Spanish or English? I said, Spanish. Speak to her in Spanish all the time. And so she understood Spanish, but she doesn't remember any of it anymore. I was going to say, did it stick? Any of it no, stick? No, it didn't stick. No. It didn't stick. But uh, but any of it. But they had, you know, but but she had the separation anxiety. We had no money, but, you know, we paid daycare. That was the cost. It was like $120, $130 a week. Uh, but it was so, it was doable. And we were able to make, make amends. And all I would say is this, like, I think... How do you know? I, I, it's great to plan it out, you know, and, and even like you, Sue, even if you plan it out, it doesn't all that's, go that's well. That's my right? point, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. We didn't plan anything out with Christina and it worked out amazing. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, I think there is something to be considered if there are really tight finances and it's really, and you're in a struggle. I totally get that. But like, if you're doing pretty decent, I think part of this is that you have to think about when you have a kid, decrease your standard of living mm -hmm. so that you can make those accommodations financially for them but for us it wasn't that you know it wasn't that huge of a of an income cost because you know my wife was was uh, breastfeeding and um and uh, you know we just had to buy diapers at costco's you know and stuff your and favorite then, you know, place in the world my favorite place in the world and the baby food is so cheap you know when they get a little bit older and you know and stuff and then she started just drinking milk she drank she drank i mean this is crazy she drank three <laughs> gallons of milk a week. I mean, she's very tall. <laughs> no, she but very tall. she drank. No, she has such bad constipation. The doctor was like, "You stop. gotta stop." She did. Christina, we, we are sorry, sorry that we're divulging we, your we, history we of to, pooping. We, we had to take her to the to the doctors because her stool was so hard it wouldn't come out. Because she had and too so much the, leche. 
Yeah, too much leche. So the <laughs> doctors were like, how much does she drink Mucho a leche. week of uh, milk? And we said, three gallons. They're like, you got to stop that. That's too much. Like, oh, that's no. why she's constipating because dairy will constipate you. And I'm like, oh, snap. I'm like, okay. So anyway, but... Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> it's, turn, it's taking a strange turn I know, but, but if you want to be a parent you better be ready to face any of these kinds of health challenges yeah you know i, I think for us it's just so i, I what i want to just encourage in this podcast is this like the whole thing is like the more you think you should know I, I don't know if that's if that's the time you should have a kid i think part of this is like making sure that you guys are well like healthy wise you yeah. guys are in love you're in a good place then let it go, man. Let just you know have kids, get ready, you know for it, and uh, and I, you can never be too prepared because, like like Sue has said this before, but you know having a kid doesn't come with instructions. You just got to figure it out, and we just try to figure stuff out, and and we didn't like you know do like Excel sheets of finances, or we're gonna have enough money to have Christina. It just kind of happened, and it all worked out, and God was able to multiply the finances in some ways, and you know I got some scholarships from churches and things like that, and that kind of helped, and. And stuff, but uh, boy, it was it was a it was a rich season. It was hard though. Mm-hmm. It was hard, but it was a really great season for us. I mean, I feel like um, there are a couple of if, if somebody said to me, like if a friend came to me and said, "Hey, like, what do you think I need to have before I have kids?" or like, "What do you yeah. think I really need to get ready or prepare for?" I, I definitely think there are some things. Like you touched upon this earlier, but I definitely think that you and your spouse should be in a place where you feel like things are working pretty relatively smoothly. I mean, obviously you're going to get into arguments here and there, but overall, like you feel like he, he or she is a partner that you're working well together and that you're on the same page. Like, I feel like that's really important because if you're still figuring out whether you and I, you and the other person are on the same page or Mm -hmm. agree on the same things or kind of can be partners, I mean, you can't bring another person yep. into this mix and then have them have to make sacrifices yeah. because you can't get your crap together. You know, yep. I feel yep. like yep. there are certain conversations that need to be had. Like, yeah. you know, I think it's helpful to say, like, what kind of parenting style do you envision? Like, do, do you feel like uh, one person should stay home or one person should work? Like things that are logistical. Yeah. Like, I think like yeah. it's helpful to have these conversations yeah. to make sure that you're on the same page and that you can support each other. Yeah. Um, because if you don't know what's going on and then you bring another child or if you're arguing all the time because you can't find, you know, a place where you're both emotionally healthy, I don't think bringing a child into it. Like I've heard Korean yeah. parents say things like, oh, the husband is like not being responsible. It's fine. Just have a baby and they'll come around. Like this is like a thing that I used to hear That's all terrible the time. Advice. Have you heard this? They always no, say, I'm oh, not. in That's Korean, they would advice. say, oh, like, they would always say this like Man. you have a baby they'll mature it is wow. absolutely incorrect you know wow. bringing a kid will only exacerbate whatever oh, issues yeah, already will. exist yeah, which is why i feel like you need to have a solid base because mm. it will strain you however yep. no matter how healthy your marriage is bringing an extra person into it yeah there will it will be a much more rewarding experience but it will also put a lot of challenges there yeah. as well so i yep. do think that there is you know I agree with Pastor Peter in the sense that, you know, there's never a perfect time, but I do think there is a better yes. time. Yes. You know, a better time. Do you yes. agree or do you? Yes. No, I do. I do think there is a better time, but I, I also sometimes, you know, I, I agree and I disagree. I agree with it in the sense of, yeah, there, there are some things that you should be really careful of. And sometimes it's not the right time. Like if you have a spouse that is just not prepared and they're just not in a good place, then yeah, you should probably put it on hold, right? You know, and stuff. So I like, definitely I don't think I would that. recommend having a baby as like a last ditch effort to save a marriage or something yeah, like that's, that. That is, you know, that is deeply disturbing. Mm-hmm. By the way, um, is that but you know you it think, happens? Yeah, yeah. If you think saving your marriage is, is going to be saved because you have a kid, um, I think I think that's that's manipulative and uh and it's it's not it's not a good it's not a good place to be but uh but yeah at least from my experiences i don't i don't have any friendships or people in our church that that do it in that way but i think they're just always concerned like is this the right time and i had friends in in in, um you know back at home when i was at a seminary and they would just say like i don't know if i have enough money i think i think we need to wait and (laughs) you know these guys are in like the finance industry and i'm like are you kidding me man like Like, i'm making twenty thousand my wife's making twenty two thousand dollars a year and we have christina we're fine I mean, listen, we're not living extravagantly. No, you know, uh, we're living very simply, but we're fine and we're very happy. But like, I you think can there is, though, the thing about expectations is a very real thing because um, when I had Lila, 
we were mm-hmm. not we were we were uh, obviously okay yeah but I sometimes after John graduated from residency and started making more money than he did as a resident and then we had like an actual house with a bedroom and like a yard sometimes did wonder like how different my experience with young kids would have been if I had had them now yeah Um, because with Lila we were living in a one-bedroom apartment with two kids yeah when Audrey came um hot mess like i had no living room because my living room was basically like a play space but wasn't that more um, fun isn't that better my, like when you think about it like now you live in a bigger house like i don't know i don't, no, don't you- so i think we look at it fondly now yeah. but i also shudder a little bit because i'm like oh gosh like i can't i can't yeah, like i can't do that again it, no it was no it was a one no a two but yeah it was two bedroom with two yeah. kids and it yeah. wasn't like a large place yeah. and also there yeah. was you know i just wanted a yard i was like can i please just have a yard where they can run around <laughs> like please like somewhere they can run around that's not my inside of my I living had, room i had three um, kids in a two-bedroom right i mean but yeah. you yeah you, i think i've actually been to that house no, Good, no, no, yeah, I, you have. Wait, you, is this you, where you we had community? In Pal Park. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. the um, condo was the, behind the, the dinner, train station. I mean, behind the, the train tracks. The dinner that we did for welcoming. Dinners for eight. Yeah, dinners no, for no, eight. not dinners for no? eight. The um, connections dinner. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to do connections dinner there. Yeah, I think I went there. But yeah, I mean, so there is that where part of me was like, I would see pictures on like Pinterest of like nursery decor or, you know, how other people on Instagram are having their babies and like being able to have these like amazing setups for their children. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like, why do I have to live like this? You know? So there is that, but I think adjusting your expectations definitely is a big thing. I mean, what is really the priority, right? Because it's not like a nice room and nice nursery decor is going to buy you health and happiness for your child and family. And so I'm not saying you have to sacrifice everything, but I definitely think you have to reorganize and say like, okay, what is really important to us? Like, is it having the ideal, um, you know, the the perfect pottery barn rocker and the perfect, you know, rug for my nursery Mm -hmm. and the perfect bottles and the name brand diapers? That's right. That's right. Or is it, you know, starting a family? And I think, yeah. And, yeah. yeah, that's what right. You, and yeah. that's and that's the that's the wrong motivation. If you're not having the kid because you're not going to have like all the great stuff to buy them and, you know, and, 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 and to help raise them in a proper home or whatever. I think that's the wrong motivation to have because it's, you know, it's all you need to, to start a family is love. That's it. You just have to love your child. You have to love your spouse mm-hmm. in a real healthy way. They have everything then. The other stuff, I mean, it's not inconsequential. I don't want to say it's not, but it's just, you know, I mean, it's it's important, but it's not so it's not so so important that you need that in order to raise a family. So I will say, like, you know, that's all you really need is, is love and uh, love for God in that way because I think at the end, like, the Holy Spirit will allow you to, to, to love. Like, when I became a parent, like, I really understood God's love in a much deeper way, and I was able to love my daughter, like, right away just because we because of god i think and that's that's an important part to it because i think sometimes if we don't if god's not in the picture in your life then i think it's hard to like fully like love your child um in the way i think god would want you to love them and so it's really important to have that in your life in order for you to 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 parent well and so i think for you and i like i think some people have this inherent fear like am i going to be a good parent um am i going to be able to love this person you know and then sometimes parents have um, sometimes couples are afraid like is my kids gonna like love me back like you know they're gonna <laughs> are they gonna do something terrible to me and and so there's all this fear there's all yeah, this fear yeah. and you know listen fear is not the motive it's not the right motivation to convince yourself not to have a child that's not that's not it you know i think fear is is dangerous you know fear is natural it's a natural part of being a human but fear is like the first stage of faith, in my opinion. And if you have God, you know, God will help you in many ways. And uh, you'll be able to encounter him in a real deep way. And I just, the hard times I had, even at Fuller with Christina and all those challenges that we had, like it just makes life better. And, and I just, I, I don't know, my, I can imagine a life without my children. I just can't, you know. And so it's just been such a blessing to, uh, to have them a part of our lives and our marriage uh, in that way as well. I mean, I don't, you know, and I know that that's not what you're saying, but I also don't want to invalidate the fact that really tough challenges sometimes do present themselves when you have children. I mean, you know, so, so far I have been privileged enough where like my children have not had catastrophic health issues or, you know, Mm -hmm. like serious things that have happened to them or, you know, bullying or things like this. And, you know, and I, but I, I have friends who tell me about these things or go through them and it's really like nothing that I could even imagine, you know, because 
I think we touched upon this once. I'm not sure if this episode has aired, but I know you asked me, what would I ask for if God said he would answer any of my you know, prayers, like in mm-hmm. the immediate time. Yep. And I said, and you said like something similar. It was both about our children, like the well-being of our children, because basically once you have children, your priority becomes the well-being of yeah. your children. Um, so, and a lot of times your children sometimes are not well, you know, and yeah. as a parent, it's really, really difficult to watch them go through difficult things. So I don't think we're saying that difficult things don't happen, mm. but or that we won't, mess up as parents mm-hmm. because you know and i've said this previously like i am not a perfect parent um, i make mistakes all the time i think the only thing that has really helped in my relationship with my children is that you know when i was at metro pastor peter used to always say like you have to learn to apologize to your children and this was a very novel thing to me because i grew up in a family where parents made mistakes but ne- they never apologized yeah are you yeah. laughing because you remember saying that or because no 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 i'm just saying because i because i i grew up in the same kind of home yeah, I'm, I, just, I grew I mean, up in the same kind of home nope, they just my parents never, never apologized yeah. never apologized um it wasn't even a question you know they yeah. brought you some fruit to apologize but they never explicitly say, said to you like i'm sorry for what i did yeah. and so that was very novel for me and i'm very thankful that i had that idea planted in me before i even had children mm. because it became very like a real thing when i had children i was like oh my gosh i need to apologize and it's very humbling that the first yeah. couple times you do it is very humbling um but then what if you keep doing it <laughs> it's not humbling anymore like it's just like <laughs> a natural part of parenting and i think that's kind of the goal is it's it should yeah. be natural because yeah it's natural to make mistakes so it's natural to be have to apologize even if you feel like their children and yes. you know you should technically be you know quote unquote above them but you're yeah. not you're just you know they're created in image of god we're created in the image of god right. we both are sinful so we make mistakes we apologize to each other like yeah. that's a part of relationships you know no, it really it really is and you're teaching them that they need to apologize when they make mistakes as well and like so it's it's a really important thing and that's the best parenting advice i can give to any parent out there right now that's listening um you have to apologize when you make a mistake and another good thing to do is i think it'd be really great if you could ask for feedback mm-hmm. of your kids of how you're doing as you a parent do that? Oh yeah, I do that, and I'm I did that especially when kids. they were. Well, I I did that especially when they were young, like in like before they were teenagers. Like I just said, hey, I how am I doing? doing but here's the thing about kids, though. <clears throat> what you're gonna realize with your kids is like you're gonna realize that they just don't keep a record of wrong. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like I'm thinking, okay, they're gonna probably say this or this or that, and they just don't keep because they just forgive. That's what Jesus says: if you want to be the greatest in the kingdom, you gotta be like a little child. Yeah, yeah. Because they just don't keep a record of wrong. They're just you know like it's harder as they get older. I think they will share and like. As I get, as, as my kids are older now, adults, like two of them are adults, I, I sit down with them and I ask them that and they'll, and, and, you know, they'll give me feedback and they'll say, no, you're doing good as dad, but you're impatient. You know, you can, you need to grow more impatience. Mm-hmm. You know, Christian, when he was younger, like I think when he was like 13, I said, hey, what can I do to be a better dad? He said, dad, you put a lot of pressure on me um, when, when uh, about baseball and, mm-hmm. and I feel a lot of pressure. And he says, you know what really hurt me? I said, what? And he said, what really hurt me is that you said, um, I'll never be good if I don't practice. You know, and Wait, I was hold like, on. Oh. I say that to my kids all the time. Yeah, yeah. Is no, that not like, true? Well, no, like, but he said the way I said it, it had like venom in it. And oh. he said that really hurt. Shoot. Like, oh, no, 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 no. I'm sorry. I said that to my kids all the time. No, 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 no. I said, so- no, no, I didn't say that. I said something to the effect of like, Christian, you're not good enough. Because to you don't go to perform at that level if you're not going to put in the work. Yeah, something like that. Wait, so, but hold on. I'm, I'm so concerned. I say this to my kids all the time. Don't say it. Don't say it. He so took what it am I supposed to say? Just, just say, do your best. You know, you practice, you practice hard, but you, then you do your best. I think for you, as long as you don't get angry, like, if, like say like your kids play the piano and they mess up at the recital. Oh, I see. It's more like the performance. But piece. if they put in the work and yet they still mess up, you cannot say you're not good enough. Oh, I see so Christian will okay, put in the work, okay, but he wouldn't do well. Okay, it, like like say like at a baseball game, and then I'll say something like, "You're not good enough," because just, you clearly you didn't practice there, enough or something. Like you're not that. good enough to play in the Little League World Series right now because you're playing in the playoffs. Right, you're just not good enough to go up there and think you're going to get a hit when Got bases it. are loaded okay. and it's okay. two outs. There's a lot of pressure. You're not good. And so like he'll say, and he'll say, dad, that really hurt me. And, uh, and so those, those mm-hmm. are like really important it's cues. Awesome and I was like, verbalize it. Yeah. And he's like, you know, and I have to change. And, and, and I, I have, I've changed, I think a lot. And 
it's so great because now he's 16 and he's having the most fun playing baseball than he than he's ever have. And I think part of that is he's got great teammates, but I think the other part is that I just enjoy watching him play now. Mm-hmm. Like you know, like sometimes yeah, like he won't do as well as I hope he would, but you know that's part of the game, and I just got to embrace that. But nobody, in my opinion, works harder than that kid. He works so hard that's on his awesome. game. And for that, I'm just always proud of them. So, anyway, I just think it's really important to, you know, ask your kids for forgiveness when you mess up. But the other thing is just ask them very openly, what can I do to be a better father to you, a better mom Mm -hmm. to you? I think that's important to do. I feel like, um, you know, my idea of what a parent is has morphed a lot since I've become an actual parent. And in a way, it's actually been liberating to Mm. me because when I was first... Like before I became a parent, I had all these lofty ideas of what kind of parent I was going to be, like how I was going to parent my children. You know, this is the kind of child I'm going to have. But then Mm. they were born and they were like, bam, we're here. We are nothing like what you created in your head. You know, and you know this because you have three kids. Every kid comes out with their own agenda of who they are, who God created them to be, I guess, that had not sometimes been in alignment with what I expected my child to be like, you know, um, I was talking to one of my friends recently who's pregnant with her second. And she said, you know, I always thought that you're supposed to parent your children the same. But I I was told recently that you can't parent your children the same because they're different. And she's like, how do I know how to parent them differently? I'm like, don't worry, you'll see because your kid will be born and you'll be like, they're nothing like my other (laughs) child. You know, it's pretty clear very early on. Um, Like, for example, like I parented my kids pretty similarly with certain things like eating habits. But one of my children eats everything. And the Mm. other child only eats mac and cheese and chicken nuggets, you know, and she actively gags when I give her all like, yeah, broccoli. Yeah. So yeah. I'm not sure what happened there because yeah, I expose yeah. them to the exact same food. Yes. I have one child who, um, you know, had some like speech issues in the beginning. And then I had another child who was speaking in full sentences, like <laughs> by like two. It was so ridiculous that my brother was listening to her and he was like, you sound like those middle-aged white ladies complaining to their managers at the supermarkets. Like she sounded so arrogant and like perfect. I know who that one is too. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, like she's just like, speaks so eloquently and articulately at like two years old and i didn't do if anything i did more with the other one you know so in a way you could be like what the heck is going on yeah on the other hand i realized like they're created by god in unique ways and i'm not their owners right like we are we are stewards and it liberated me in a way to be like i just need to take a step back Yep. And just let them become who God already created them to be. That's right. It's not my job to make them into expert violinists yeah. or get the yeah. straight A's or whatever. Yeah. God already created them to be the people yep. he wants them to be. And I just have to have the Holy Spirit enough to know how to guide them towards yeah. that. But it's not my job to reproduce in them things that I want for them to have. Mm. You know? Do you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Because I think a lot oh, of the yeah. times the reason why parenting is so hard is because um, – we have ideas of what we want in our children yeah. that we somehow cannot seem to put in them, you know? And sometimes I think you have to take a step back and say, why is this so hard? Maybe it's yeah. because that's not what God wants for your kids. Maybe that's what well, you want for your kids. Exactly. You and, know? you know, it's, you can't, I mean, you can always help and, and help build your child and build their confidence and stuff, but you can't build them to be what you want them to right. be. Right, which is know, kind of how I thought it was going to be. I thought it was like Legos. Yeah. You know, I just kind of create whatever I want, but turns it's, out it's not. <laughs> no, it's not. And I think, you know, as a parent, if you're a Christian parent, you know, you really need to just hand that over to God and just say whatever you want to do. Like my daughter, Christina, she wants to focus on social justice and and she wants to like Wait, that's you know, bad no no it's good but i was I'm gonna like, say you know, do you know where she got that from yeah no no but i'm, I'm, I'm thinking I just, to myself like um you know like I, I think to myself i'm like okay you know uh she was a political science major you know communications and i'm like okay she wants to do social justice i'm like okay well yeah you're you're, you're gonna you're gonna be financially you know struggling like kind of like your whole life it's like it's just part of it, but it's 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 what that's real hypocritical, like. Pastor Peter. I know, you right? know, when you tried to scout me to come work for a pay cut, but now since your daughter <laughs> like, is doing it, quit, you're like, your Christina, you should really down. think about this. Listen, you should really- <laughs> but I mean, I had to really be confronted by that, and I said, you know what, though, this if this is your passion, is your heart, you have my 100% full support, and that's what she wants to do with her life. She wants to focus. You know, she's gonna be a senior next year, and. Let me just brag. I don't know. I don't want to brag. Brag, about brag about Christina. Like, Why are you bragging? About? We already she's talked about be... our constipation. We need to okay. You know, she, redeem she's that. She's teaching. She's teaching um, a freshman class at Rutgers. 
What? I mean, there are so many kids that apply to this. And, uh, and, you know, you have to have a certain GP. You have to be a certain student. That's amazing. But she interviewed for it. And the class is on (gasps) uh, social justice and diversity. That is yeah. so amazing. And the best part is she's getting paid yeah. by Rutgers to oh teach. Oh my gosh, Christina, I'm, like, I'm so proud so of cool. you. So, so I'm proud. So proud but of anyway, you. you know, but she just has to do what God is calling her to do. And that's her passion and that's her desire. And she just has to go for it now. You know, that's that's what God's called her to do. that should so. be liberating for parents who are so daunt. Like it's daunting, the prospect of becoming a parent because it's like, yeah. am I ready to mold a child? Like, am I ready to, you know, no. but you're, you're yeah. we're never ready. Yeah. You know, that's because that's not the point of what parenting is. And that should actually be freeing for us to know that that's not our job. Our job is just to do what God says. You know, it's like we're just taking orders from God. And yeah, it helps to be emotionally healthy. But yes. Well, you you said it the best. You said we're just called to be stewards. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it. That's all we are stewards. We're not called to, to, you know, God, you know, God is the one who's going to mold them and make them. But we just have to steward them to the right place. And I think that's really important. And, you know, I think so many of us have to unlearn what our parents taught us because our parents were tiger parents. And I think we have to unlearn so much of that. And, you know, for me, that was more with like sports with my Mm. son. And some parents are tiger parents when it comes to sports. And you have to really like hold that at bay. Your your parents were tiger parents? Like your dad was a tiger parent? No, they were never. They were never. They just, no, 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 no. no. I'm just a tiger parent in sports. Oh, I see. Okay. Because I'm very competitive. But my parents were never tiger parents. You know, they just didn't have time. They were always at work. They were never part of our lives. You know, like my parents never attended any one of my like, you know, wrestling matches or anything like that. And so, you know, immigrant family is just an immigrant family in that way but um but yeah but i just think we have to you have to really be careful of how much pressure we put on our children and i see this i even see this at our church i see some of the parents and how much pressure they put on their kids and how many after school things they're going to and how many of this they're going i'm just like goodness gracious can they just go outside and play and be a kid you know because they're just so geared and getting them to go to a good school or get a scholarship and you know, and all that kind of stuff. And I'm just like, wow, the, the the joy of being a child is being taken away. And even being a parent, because you're so focused on this, you can't even just enjoy your kid. But you know, you know what? I had ways. experience with that because when I was, and I can tell you, there was something interesting about moving outside of that East Coast bubble. Yeah. Um, where things are very hyper competitive and very, very academic and um, very high achieving, like pressure on that. I'm not saying people in Ohio are not high achieving, but it's the standard is very chill. You know, when I was in New Jersey, and my daughter turned three, one of the parents at preschool came up to me and asked me what her plans for the summer were. And I was like, Well, what do you mean? And she said, Oh, because my kids going to Mandarin lessons. (sighs) And I said, My kid doesn't even speak English. I don't don't understand. (laughs) Like, my kid has speech issues. Like she can't go to she can't even speak English. Oh, my Lord. By the way, I just want everyone to know she's doing really well now. But um, but yeah, I mean, it was just so bizarre. I was like, what do you mean Mandarin lessons mm-hmm. at two, at three? You know, but this was, and then I'm, I consider myself a relatively grounded person. Yeah. But then when I heard that, I went home and I said to John, Lila needs to go to Mandarin yeah. lessons. And he says, why? Exactly. And I was John's like, because she's falling behind. Exactly. She's falling behind. Because this is what happens is then you feel like, wait, yeah. if I don't put my kids into what yeah. the other yeah. parents are not doing, then am I not doing my job as yeah. a parent? Yeah. Because my priorities are getting all mixed up. You know, here it's right. actually not like that. It's a much more relaxed environment. Um, and so I think there's good in both. But, yeah. you know, I think in those cases when I feel like I'm getting upset and my kid's not achieving something or meeting a certain standard, I have to always take a step back and say like, why am I getting so upset? Yeah. Like, what yeah. is, is it because they're not, or is it because of something that I'm like, it's personal to me that I right, want right. from them? Exactly. You know, it's like, you know, Pastor Julia, who's the pastor at, um, one of the pastors at the church I go to now, she at said- the vineyard? At the vineyard. At the yeah, vineyard. The vineyard. She no, said no, that we can never yeah, reproduce, reproduce something in our children that we don't have ourselves. That's right. And so, and a lot of times that's the struggle with parents is that because we couldn't ever do something or we can't mm. achieve something, we're not trying to see it in our children right. vicariously. That's but right. the point is, no, if we want our children to love God, we have to love God first. That's if right. we want our children to respect us, we got to respect them first. Like it has to happen with us first. But this is, Preach I think, it. why it's so hard with parenting That's sometimes right. because we don't got it, but we yeah. want to see it in our children. And, and, you know? and- and you and I have had sidebar conversations about this, but I think one of the key things as your kids get older, what we have to do as parents is that we have to learn to just respect them yes. as adults. 
and respect yes. them as human beings. That's I learned that from Pastor Kevin. Yeah, and um, I think it's really important for you to find like a good role model who who are great parents. You think that they're great mm-hmm. parents that have a really healthy relationship with their adult children, and I think the thing, a common denominator of that is just good friend. They just respect each other so much, and that's how you become friends. Because friendship, what's what's needed in a friendship is respect. When you don't right. respect your friend they're not going to be your friends anymore. And so that's a key ingredient. And I think as your kids get older, you just have to learn to respect them, even respect their decisions, even if it goes against yours. That's hard. Um, that's such an important, it's so important. Yeah, it's that, it's really difficult. So I do want to ask you actually, to, yeah. before we finish, because yes. you've been through a different stage of parenting than I have, yeah. right? Because my kids are still 10 and seven and your kids are, yeah. you know, late 2018 and 16. 20. Yep. How do you transition that? You know, like, you know, how do you go does, from one not, day wiping their butts? No, and no, their food? It, it's gradual. Thank God it's gradual. It's not just a switch you turn on and off. But if you're in a relationship with your kids, like every day, then eventually, like, I trust my daughter, Christina, so much. Like, I do. I, mm-hmm. I don't worry about her at all. She's so centered in who she is before the God and, and just in herself. Mm-hmm. That I'm so sad. Now, will she make mistakes? Of course. Like, you know, like I, I trust her so much when it, and respect her so much, whichever guy she decides to date. Now, listen, will I like them? I hope I will, but maybe I won't. <laughs> maybe I'll disagree with the kind of person they are. But I really respect and trust the kind of person she is. And now she's can go and do her thing. She can make the decisions that she wants That's to make. Awesome. We, we talk about relationships all the time. But like the thing about it is that it's gradual. And the more you begin to allow them to make decisions, this is the greatest tip of parenting that I learned at a parenting seminar. The younger you can have, you can give your kids the, cho- uh, the power to make their own choices, they will grow to be healthier kids. Oh, healthier mm. adults one day. The problem with parenting is that you never let your kids make a choice. You make all the choices for them. Yeah, yeah. They don't have an option. But if you can begin to give them the power to make their own choices and teach them that there are consequences when you make certain choices and they have to experience those consequences, then they will grow up to be healthier adults. And when I learned that years ago, this is when my kids were little, I said, this is the best parenting advice I ever got. And that's what I started to do with my kids. I started to give them choices and say, it's your choice. It's your choice. If you say no, that's fine. But here's the repercussions. If you choose not to go to bed at 8.30, here's the repercussions. We're not going to pray together as a family. You're just going to go upstairs. You're going to pray by yourself. You're just going to go and pray by yourself. And you're going to sleep. And they hated that because they love praying together as a family before we went to bed. You know, So they're like, okay, we're going to go to bed at 8.30. Let's go. Let's pray together. And then when they didn't i said well you know the rules i said we're not going to pray as a family mm-hmm. it's 9 30 you guys are going to go upstairs and just sleep on your own now and so i think those are important things and so i think it's just gradual and you know my kids now like I, with christina she's the oldest she's 20 like i just trust her she, she's she's wiser than me in so many ways and i know that she'll make the right decisions so yeah i think that's awesome because you know as you're speaking it's like god gives you the wisdom for this time right yeah. and so you know if you're thinking about having children um and you feel like you're in a healthy place with your partner you are on the same page you're communicating yep. well um you have semi-financial <laughs> um you know yeah. com- comfort that i feel like you know what go for it go for it yeah god will give you what you yep. need i know that sounds so cliche like yeah. it sounds so cliche but, it's but so you true. will realize as soon as you become a parent and have children yep. that god is God is the only one who can give you anything because there are so many times when you feel so desperate with parenting yeah, because you have no idea. If you're waiting to be like a great parent now before you have kids, that's never going to happen. It's not going to happen. Like, it's it's not just happen. It's just like sometimes people are wondering like, is this the right person to marry? Like if you're waiting to like find the perfect husband or the perfect wife, it's never going to happen. It happens when you're actually married and you're working at it because right, that right. requires a lot of work. Same thing it's with parenting. People. You cannot be a great parent until you actually start having kids and you got to work at it. And I think that's the process. So yeah, just, just you know, how do you know? You don't fully know, but uh, give it a go. And, uh, you know, hopefully when you guys are in a good place, um, you know, like where you are spiritually, emotionally and stuff that you will, and and you just got to work at it. And God will teach you and you'll make mistakes like everyone else and uh, and you'll learn from it. But uh, but I hope that you will. Yeah, I mean, nobody, yeah, 
I don't want to, I want to be sensitive to people who like are unable to have children or, you know, are not married. But I will tell you that if somebody asks me, what is it like being a parent? I genuinely couldn't explain it to you. Yeah. Because it's categorically so unique to any other experience that I've had in my life. The love that you have for your kids is categorically so different. Like you can't even say, oh, it's like the way you love this, but like a lot more. It's not. It's literally a different type of love that you just get yeah. as soon as you have your child. Yep. Yep. And so, you know, I, unfortunately, I can't sit here and try to explain to you yeah. what that's like. Yeah. But trust me, it's magic. It's magic. <laughs> um, it's magic. It's, it's meaning. You know, there's yeah. meaning in, in it. You know, it's it's highly valuable. And I think you will really get a different understanding of the relationship that you have with God and how much he loves you and how much, yeah. you know, how you're supposed to love him. Yeah. Well, that's about it for us, man. We're out of time, but thank you so much for listening. We hope that you will join us next week for a new episode. If you have any questions, any feedback for us, weekpastor.org. We'd love to hear from you. Take leave care. Us have a a good one. Leave us yeah, a oh, review. Leave us a review. Yes. <laughs> leave us a review. That would five really help only. us. <laughs> that would, yeah, five, star, five stars recommended, but no, be raw and real. Be raw and real. Okay. Right. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you. Bye.